0: you're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Thank you. I, I appreciate uh, the invitation in. I'm honored to be here. And uh, we we're just talking, you know, it was five years ago when you had your building dedication, and I was in for part of that. The airline dropped me off somewhere, and I didn't quite make it in for the first service. But I uh, Anyway, uh, it's an honor to be here. I, I'm thrilled to be here, and and uh, uh, we love your pastors, and uh, we do go back long ways, and appreciate what they've done, um, not only here in building this wonderful house uh, right here in America, but also touching the nations of the world. And uh, I believe that's what a local church that's that's what a local church ought to be like. So. So it's a, it's a thrill to be here. I'm going to just enjoy myself all day long. And it uh, looks like you got quite a week lined up here. And I wish I could stay for all of it, but uh, duty calls back home. So I uh, found when I when we started the church, we, we just celebrated 20 years. And so we're kind of the little brother on that. I guess I don't know, but uh, <laughs> just a few months ago. And, and, um, and so uh, uh, I, I noticed one thing about having a church is, is that our word shows up responsibility. Uh, I found out I didn't, I couldn't just travel the world and come home every now and then, uh, uh, but it's a good responsibility. So I, I'm convinced, and um, um, I was thinking earlier this morning, uh, I remember it wasn't too long ago, you know, we had, as your pastor said, we had, we had schools, uh, we had as many as 23 different nations. We had schools going in, usually about 13 nations at a time, roughly. And uh, I thought, this is just what we're going to do all of our lives. We're just going to start schools and go to nations of schools and so on. And schools will always be a necessity. Ministers, training schools, Bible schools will always be uh, absolute necessity. The, book, uh, the church in, in, in Antioch in the 13th, 11th actually chapter of the book of Acts at a school. Uh, it was always, it's always a necessity. But sometimes you've got to find what it is God's, what he is uh, uh, basically, what he's saying at the time. Okay, uh, what's at the what's at the the spearhead out there? And uh, a couple of years ago, the Holy Ghost spoke up on the inside of me, and this may have been just for me. I don't know. Maybe it's just nationwide. I don't know. But uh, he spoke on the inside of me. And he said, "This will be the day of the local church," and uh, I believe that's the case. You always have to have schools. That's where you train current and future leaders, but I'll tell you what, this is the day of the local church, so I'm just, I'm just thrilled to be able to be here, and congratulations on 25 years. Yeah, go ahead and give yourselves a hand. You can do that. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, um, 25 years, there's, there's two things that are signs and wonders in this day. One is a missionary that stays on the field for more than 20 years. That's a big thing. You don't find an awful lot of that. And the other thing is is a, a church that will hit a 25-year anniversary and uh, the pastor and the church will be able to keep up with the, uh, what's the term, the cosmetics, the the changes of society and all that without changing their DNA. Yeah. And so I congratulate you on that. You You've kept your DNA. And that's... That's huge. You can build a big place, you can build a lot of people or a lot of things that's not bad, but not everybody can do it and still be who they were to start with and never change that. So, so uh, you know, I was here five years ago, the same church I was at five years ago, maybe different faces and all that, but the DNA is still in the atmosphere here. So, uh, I, you know, I, you ever have one of those things where, I'm headed somewhere in a minute here, but... Um, have you ever uh, had one of these situations where maybe there was somebody that uh, spoke into your life, maybe a spiritual father, spiritual mother, or somebody spoke into your life, and um, uh, or maybe even just through cassette tapes, how about that, back a little ways. Every now and then in our church I'll talk about a tape and people look at me like, what's a tape? I say, it's what, it's what they have hanging in the Smithsonian out there. <laughs> but you'll... You know, have you ever had one of those things where there's somebody that just spoken into your life, and 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 uh, you know you're just praying about things, and all of a sudden you hear a voice, and it's not the Holy Ghost, it's that person. It's like you hear them saying something, and something comes back to your memory that they that they spoke. Uh, uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, uh, Doctor Hagen, he's been in heaven. Fourteen or fifteen years now. That's my father in the faith. Sometimes I'm praying about things, and I hear—boy, I hear on the inside—I hear. It's not the voice of the Spirit of God. It's Brother Hagan's voice coming back, just out of my, my memory. But I said that to say this: um, um, when we were just a few years old, our church in Tulsa, uh, we had the privilege to come become fairly uh, good friends. I would say with Dr. T. L. Osborne. Anybody still know who Dr. Osborne? I was going to say was, he still is. He's just on the other side of the fence over there. Um, but Dr. T.L. Osborne, who probably, he, uh, somebody said to me, Dr. Osborne probably, they told me one time, said Dr. Osborne probably seen more miracles than any human that's ever walked on the face of the earth. Uh, and so I, I, I saw him after that, and I said, Brother Osborne, I said, uh, it's been said that you've probably seen more salvations and more miracles and more healings than anybody else that's ever walked on the face of the earth. I said, could that be true? And he was a genuinely humble guy. You, you couldn't, you know, there's just who he was. And, and he looked at me and said, well, I suppose it could be. I don't know. And I said, well, if it is, why do you suppose? He said, oh, that's easy. He said, it's because I'm so old and I just didn't quit. <laughs> But I remember he was in our church for our, one of our church anniversaries, and uh, our, our staff was looking through some old videos uh, this last summer for some things, for a celebration we we're having. And they pulled up this one, and here's Dr. T.L. Osborne, you know, with his, his mustaches go to, you know, Dr. Osborne, Dr. T.L. Osborne. And, and he made this, he stood up there, and, and uh, he's, uh, really all they showed me was he stood up there and he said, This is my dream of a church. This is my dream of a church. Flags on the sides. People going to the nations. This is my dream. Well, I said that to say this. This morning, just praying, getting ready to come to church, I heard that voice on the inside. This is my dream. This is my dream. I believe if you are standing up here today, you'd be going, this is my dream. It's a, it's a church that flows with the Word contends for the Spirit, and touches the nations of the world. And so I want to congratulate you on 25 years of sticking with your DNA and staying with the Word, staying with the Spirit, staying with missions, staying with prayer. You stay with those four things. You're never going to fail. Amen. Hallelujah. So. Um, so that may not mean as much to you, but to hear Dr. Osborne's voice rattling around in my head or wherever it's coming from, to hear, this is my dream. Now I'm not saying that because I'm not old enough to do what Dr. Osborne did, but, contrary to some people's opinions, but, but um, anyway, so uh, this is wonderful. And, and uh, what I'd like to do is, is uh, uh, I got stirred just on the front row during praise and worship over there. Um, oh, I'd like to, I'm, uh, I want to just pray over this house. If that's all right, this is not prophesying. Sometimes you say the Holy Ghost is saying this, and sometimes you say I'm prophesying. That's not this. I just want to pray over this house, if that's all right. (laughs) Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I I thank you for this local church. Not only local, but global. So, as someone once said, not only local and global, so it's really (laughs) glocal. And so I thank you, Father, for this house, for this local church, for this family. Father, I pray over this place. Father, I pray that this house will have in the days to come. Though they're celebrating twenty-five years, they're just about. to, I, I pray they're about to step into another phase of ministry, not only for the pastors but also for the church, coming into another phase. And though the forces of darkness won't like it, there won't be a thing they can do about it. They're just going to have to run and hide. And I pray over this house, Father, as as, as they continue on, continue on, staying with the with the. Changes that have to be made for society, but stand with our own DNA, with the Word, in the, the Spirit, in the world, and in prayer. Father, I, I pray that in the days to come, the flow of the Word is gonna get even stronger than it's ever been before. Not even the flow of it, but the understanding of it. That the house, the congregation, the family, the eyes of their understanding will be flooded with light like it's never been before. They'll know the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, the exceeding greatness of your pow- your power toward them that believe. Father, I pray that the flow of the Holy Ghost will not just increase, but it'll multiply. The flow of the Spirit of God. Not only the flow of the presence of God, the Spirit of God in services, but also the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. I pray the signs and the wonders and the miracles, but the healings, Father, there's a stirring in my heart. I pray the healings will begin to increase. Not only just one here and one there, but 10 here and 50 there. And that it'll be to the place where it'll it'll not only be taking place in the services... But as people walk in the building, as people drive on the property, the presence of God will hit them in the face and they'll get healed in their bodies. And, and it'll go from here and it'll go out. I pray that it'll go out from here. That this house will take the healing power of the Lord Jesus and take it to the highways and the byways and to the jobs and to the schools and to the grocery stores. And, and I'll pray that, dear Father. I pray that the increase of the voice of this house will be uh, multiplied again. It'll be going more and more places and they'll touch more and more nations and there'll be more and more things planted in more nations because of this house who will obey you. And the finances, to get the job done that they're called to do, the finances are gonna have to increase mightily in the name of Jesus. I pray ministering spirits will go out and cause the finances to come. That's one of the things they do. And they'll go out every direction and start bringing in not only people, not only hungry hearts, but bringing in finances that will cause this house to be able to do way more than they've ever been able to do before. I pray, dear Father, that the increase of this, uh, the anointing, the presence, the power in and out from and through this house will increase uh, exponentially in the days and weeks and months to come. I thank you, Father. They'll not lack any good thing. So I pray over this place. And then when all is said and done, every year they'll be able to finish the year up and say, well, this year we, we obeyed God. We ran our race. We finished our course for the year. And it's going to get even better in the year to come. So I, I pray over this house, dear Father. Hallelujah. Uh, as we know, everything works on the seed principle. And first then the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And Father, I thank you that they've gotten way past the, the seed going down and the roots going down and the blade coming up. But I pray, Father, that in the real near days to come, they'll see the uh, not only the blade coming up, but then the ear. And then they will come to the place that they'll see the full corn in the ear. The full fruition of what you called this house and raised it up to be an Antioch church that'll touch not only this city and this state and this nation, but other nations of the world. I pray that and I thank you for it, Father. And now I thank you for this conference, everything you'll do here. Thank you for this service. And we trust you for utterance in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Everybody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I believe it. Amen. Pastor got talking about those prayer meetings in Tulsa. got me all stirred up again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Uh, let's open our Bibles Two, you know, used to be able to say, let's open our Bibles. Now we say, open your Bible, open your iPad, open your watch, open your iPhone, wherever you've got your Bible hidden there somewhere on you, just now is a good time to open it. Hallelujah. Pastor John Osteen, you know, if you ever watched him in the days, that's somebody who's, uh, John Osteen, that was Joel's dad. Joel's his son. Joel came from John. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, thank God for Joel. But I tell you, John Osteen, I, I'm still listening. Now, my phone is filled with his messages, uh, his last five ministers' conferences. I listen to him all the time. He starts at ev- everyone out, saying, "Everybody, hold up your Bible." I thought well, <laughs> it'd be hard to do that today. You hold up your watch or whatever. But then they'd make a confession over. It. So let's look at uh, the 85th Psalm, <coughs> 85th Psalm, and we're going to start with the sixth verse. 85th Psalm, verse six. The psalmist here in the 6th verse he says will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you show us your mercy O Lord and grant us your salvation I'll hear what God the Lord will speak for he'll speak peace to his people and to his saints but let them not return again to folly surely his salvation is nigh those that fear him that glory may dwell in our land But we'll stop for right there we could go on through this whole chapter but if you'll notice he starts out here if you don't mind I'm going to come down where I can get down here, the glory spout. Anyway, anyway, he starts out saying in verse six there, he says, Lord, will you not, will you not revive us again? That's not a question. That's a request. That's, that's not even a request. That is a, uh, that's a cry. And if you go through the Bible, you go back in the Old Testament. Isaiah, I don't we probably won't have time to get there this morning, but, but in Isaiah, you go to Isaiah 35 and 60 and 62 and 64, all the way through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah in the Old Testament seemed to be able to look through the veil. Thank you. Appreciate that. Seemed to be able to look down through the veil into our covenant, and he just kept crying out for revival and told us what revival was. Now, um, And if you go back into uh, Habakkuk, the third chapter, and if you look at it uh, around verse 1, where he's praying, and and actually I love the message translation, he says, I've heard our ancestors tell what you did for them. It drove me to my knees. i got to read it. It's just not good enough to do it this way. I know what it says. I want you to see it. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. In the message translation, I, I, I don't use the message a lot for doctrine, but it's got some really good stuff in it. He says in verse 3, he must have been a musical guy, he says, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of the prophet Habakkuk with orchestra. He liked the orchestra behind him. He liked good praise and worship. He said, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm stopped in my tracks down on my knees. He said, somebody told me some stuff about what you used to do, and I'm not willing to live with what you used to do and what you used to be and how you used to move and how you have to have. I I heard him say it, and I didn't say, oh, wouldn't it have been wonderful to live in the good old days? He didn't say that. He said, Lord, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm stopped in my tracks. I I think it's about time the church world heard some things that stop us. Somebody recently made a statement through, I think it was social media. My wife won't let me on that. She says I get a little too strong. But anyway, uh, I started a couple holy wars and they, they got rid of my, my uh, account. But anyway, <laughs> she said, that's not what that's for. I said, yeah, but it's fun. She said, still not what that's not what that's for. So they, they deleted my account. <laughs> whole world's probably a better place. But any that's been a long time ago. But uh, somebody made a statement just wanted to know why some people have to keep quoting these old guys. I said, because we're smart enough Come on. that's what she said that's why you don't have an account you'd start another holy war. No, see the thing is uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, thank God for this generation for who we are now and the generation coming up behind us. thank God for all that, but that doesn't mean we leave out you know what does they you say dance with the one that brung you you know you't don't, you don't delete you know uh, Isaiah had to go, he had to go dig some wells of the fathers. The Philistines had filled them up, but he could, he had to have something to feed his cattle. They dug out the old wells before, wells before they could dig new ones. And so we got to do the same thing. There's, there's some stuff that used to happen. I don't know about you. I'm not, I, I take a lot of time. i got some books right now some folks have recently given me about some things that took place in the healing revival, 1947 to 1958. Well, I was only around for a little bit of that, and I was really, really, really young, okay? But bottom line is, yeah, I read that not to say, ooh, look what God used to do, but if He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, I want to know what He did back then so I know what He'll do today. Now, I'm trying to get to something here. He says, God, I've heard, I've heard, thank God He heard. I've heard what our ancestors say about you. I'm stopped in my tracks, but that didn't, I I didn't quit there. Then i am driven to my knees. What's he saying? He said, something I heard got me so dissatisfied with where things are that it dropped me to my knees. It put me into a place of prayer. Yeah. I began to cry out, God, what did he say? I'm down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. Yeah. Yeah. What's he saying? He said, Psalmist said, Lord, will you not revive us again? Yeah. It's not like, Lord, I've never been around a revival. Now, you know, I, I be honest with you, I'm, I'm just old enough now that I've had my feet in one, two, th- I've really had my feet in three different mm, facets of revivals. I, I came to, to God, I got my life right with Jesus in the beginnings of the charismatic move. 1972, I was in college at Michigan State University, and uh, I went to a meeting and gave my life to Jesus. took me a while to get some things straightened out, got a brand new spirit, still had the same old goofy mind. Still had the same body, had all that. But over a period of time, some things got straightened out. And I am where I am today and never never looked back. But, but I was, so I got in the middle of the, I was in the charismatic move. You know, when somebody would stand up with a guitar and, you know, in a, in a home Bible study and just, you know, sing and play and you'd have a, it was a wonderful time. Changed my life. But then here comes the Word of Faith teaching revival. And then here comes the joy revival. And I got my feet in all three of those. But I'll tell you, those are just practice runs for where we're headed right now. I believe we're coming into a move of God. I call it revival. Call it awakening, outpouring, call it anything you want. I like to call it revival because revival, revive means to come back to life. I like to call it revival. We've got our feet somewhere, and the reason it's so important because I'm so convinced. Now, somebody goes, well, how are we going to know if it's true? Well, you know, just hide and watch. No. Watch and pray. Let's stay scriptural. I'm so convinced where we're headed right now, there's a move of God coming to America. We, you say, ooh, it's a mess out there. Man, we're coming up on elections and it's a mess out there. You think, you think this is God's first rodeo? <laughs> God has fried much bigger fish than what he's got in America right now. Don't let this don't let this stuff bother you. I'll tell you where we are right now. It looks big to us, but one move of God is that it will cure an awful lot of this. And, and don't let it bother you because a lot of it is stuff that won't get cured if God doesn't fix it. And that's why it hasn't been cured so far, because if it got cured before, somebody would take credit for it. Oh, dude, we got that fixed, didn't we? No, no. Like somebody said one time, you go back to a book of First Kings where Elijah was having the showdown with the false prophets and the prophets of Baal, and um, you know he let them have their shot at it, and then when they got done, he said get out of the way, and he rebuilt the altar and he put the wood on it and he put the sacrifice on it. And then what did he do? He poured twelve barrels of water on that thing. Why did he do that? Why did it take 12 barrels of water before the fire fell? Because the fire didn't fall until everything was so wet that nobody else could take credit for it. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, he said, do amongst us what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them. I've been able to have the privilege, like I said, to be uh, in the things of God long enough that I've seen and been and actually involved in some capacity of three different moves of God. But I'll tell you, there's something in the works out there. In fact, um, you know, I've preached on this off and on for 35 years. This is, this is something God dropped in me a long time. First Christian book I ever bought was a book in a Christian bookstore. I hadn't been saved more than a couple of months. I went in a bookstore and found a book called Revivals in America. I didn't even know what a revival was, but that, something pulled me to that book. Still got it in my library revivals in America. I didn't know back then that I was going to have the privilege of living in the day of the greatest move of God that America has ever seen, past, present, or future. I'm convinced of that. So again, somebody says, well, how do we know if it's true? Well, just watch and pray. Get in, get out, or get run over. It's, it, it's going to take place. And in fact, actually, I had kind of not backed away, but had no unction to, to, to cover this subject for quite a while. And just about two months ago, my wife and I were on a trip over into Europe, and we, uh, we finished some meetings in, in uh, France. And um, when we were leaving that meeting, the Holy Ghost spoke to me on the inside, just like He talks to you, and said, uh, go back home and get ready for revival. Go back home and teach it, go back home and preach it, and go back home and get ready for it. Go back home and, and pull, in other words, get that, pull that out of the archives and go after it again. Well, he wouldn't be saying that if he wasn't getting ready to do something. <laughs> okay. You get what you preach. I don't preach it a lot. But anyway, anyway, so let, let's just take a few minutes on this. Um, on the subject revival, we could spend days on this. But I am so, so very convinced. I mean, it's, there's, there's, you look through the Old Testament, there was a cry. The psalmist cried for it. Habakkuk cried for it. Okay? You look back in... Uh, uh, third chapter of the book of Ezra, when the, the, the temple had been destroyed and, and Israel, the Israelites were beginning to, to come back in and rebuild the temple and they got the foundation laid. When they got the foundation laid, man, they had a celebration. They were just shouting and praising and having a wonderful time, but the Bible says they were having such a wonderful time with the, the generation that was there that there was a group of people there, they, they were shouting, but there was a group of people there, I think they're called the ancients. I wonder if I'm qualifying for an ancient. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> the ancients were, were crying because they'd seen it in its original state. There's a bunch of people excited they had a foundation, but there's a bunch of people that said it's not yet what it's supposed to be. So you got the shouting that's so loud you can't hear the cries of the people that said it used to. What was the difference? When they did it the first time, the glory of God came in and the priest couldn't even stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When God built the first one, the presence of God filled it. Now they got a foundation, they got all the stuff, but they don't have the presence. I believe we're back there again. I think there's a lot of wonderful things happening in the body of Christ today. But there's one thing that's lacking is the presence that we've had in revival. So what am I looking for? I'm looking for everything we've got that's good and the presence of God to come on top of that and shake our nation like it's never been shaken before. I I believe what we're coming into right now is God taking everything that's happened and every move of God since Jesus walked on this earth, since the gospel days, I believe God's taken all that, wrapping it all up together, and pouring it all out at one time, and letting the Holy Ghost be the choir director. And no church can take credit, no ministry can take credit, no person can take credit. I'm convinced it's going to hit everywhere. And as the Old Testament prophet said, there'll be times when it'll land on one city, and it won't land on another city. And it'll fall on one city, it'll rain on one, and it won't rain on another. And what'll happen is there are places where it's not raining, and folks will run to where the rain's falling to get some to take back home. I don't know about you, where I want the rain to fall where I'm living. Yeah. I'm convinced that is the, the local church. It's going to be up to the local church. That's why God will plant a mm, local church, family, house, world outreaching kind of a place like this in a region, because He's got to have a, a Holy Ghost explosion base in regions where people can run from far and wide and get some good cold, clear water. Yeah. Now, now, what's, uh, let's just back up for a minute. You know, we ought to know what we're looking for. If we're going to be asking God for revival, what are we looking for? Well, one, one uh, author defined it this way. Revival is, I love this, revival is the inrush of the Spirit into a body that threatens to become a corpse. I'll say that again. Revival is the inrush of the Spirit into a body that threatens to become a corpse. See, this This is not, where we are right now in America, and I'm not, I'm not dissing America at all. Okay, I'm, I have never been any more excited for our nation than I am right now. I don't care what it looks like. I just know how big God is. Amen. Yeah. And he's bigger than I know. So anyway, so, so you go back through, and we've had, uh, now let me give you a couple other definitions first. Revival is the inrush of the spirit into a body that threatens to become a corpse, but it's also a restoration of the presence of God. Amen. Revivals, people say revivals when people get saved. No, people get saved all the time. Yeah. It's when people get filled. No, people ought to be getting filled all the time. It's when, it's when healings take place. No, people ought to be getting healed all the time. And they are. But just take that and put it on amazing steroids. Take all that, and where there's been one, there should be a hundred. Where there's been ten, there should be a thousand. When there's one or two healings, there ought to be a hundred and two hundred and three hundred healings. When you see one person get out of a wheelchair, there ought to be whole sections that get out of wheelchairs. When When somebody gets healed of cancer, they ought to be having a whole wing of people from a hospital come in, into a service and get healed of cancer. It ought to just explode like that. And you you don't get that any other way. The Word works, absolutely. But you don't get things like that any other way other than a restoration of the presence of God. There are things that you get when the presence of God's in manifestation. You're just not going to get any other way. Okay, You'll get it, but not in Mass like that. So revival is a restoration of the presence of God. One man said it this way. Restoration is the presence of God to the degree the community knows God's there without anybody saying a word. How would you like it to be? The biggest problem you have in this church is figuring out where to put all the chairs, <laughs> figuring out where to put all the people. There was a revival that broke out in the Hebrides Islands in the '40s. Uh, and um, man, it was after two world wars, and it's, that's Hebrides Islands was so right off the coast of the U.K. And they had um, uh, man, churches were dead. Churches were empty. Man, they're just glad to be out of war. There have been two world wars in Europe, and they're just glad it's all over. But, but spirituality just wasn't there. The hunger for God was gone. It was just the church was dry. But some people got hold of the fact that the only way to change this is to pray. Mm. And so they began to pray, and they got to praying and praying. They had a little prayer cottage prayer meeting, and one fellow, the, the village blacksmith, stood up. and just stood up. He said, God... Are you going to keep your word or aren't you? Now, you want to know you're in the spirit when you go that direction. <laughs> he said, Lord, you said you'd pour water, Isaiah 44, verse 3. You said you'd pour water upon the thirsty and you'd flood the dry ground. We're thirsty, we're dry. You going to do it or aren't you? God, are you going to honor your word or aren't you? You know, it's your reputation that's at stake. He's going on and on. You know, but sure everybody else is going, oh, man, there's going to be just a burnt spot on the carpet right there, you know. <laughs> He keeps going and going and going. He says, God, as far as me and my house, we have to have a manifestation of the one who sits at your right hand. I can't go on like this. We have to have a move of God. We must have revival. And said, well, all of a sudden, he realized what he's doing, scared him, sat down, and they, all of a sudden, they heard dishes rattling in the cupboards, and, and, and all of a sudden, the whole house began to shake. And somebody ran to the door and looked outside. They said, people running down the street carrying chairs for an unplanned, unannounced meeting. Could you imagine God invading this area to the point that people are putting chairs in the back of their cars and if you catch them, say, where are you going? Say, I don't know. God just invaded. There's a meeting going somewhere and I'm going to get in on it. Amen. God's done it before. And he's going to do it again. Amen. An invasion of his presence. Now, um, we, you know, like I said, we, we've, we've had this before. You go back through. Yeah, by the time our nation was, 18, uh, was I mean, 1800. Oh, back up further. By the time the church world was 70 years old, remember the churches in the book of Revelation? Five of them were in trouble. Five out of the seven needed a move of God by the time the church world is 70 years old. So don't think it's strange if America needs one. We've had to have a move of God every 50 years since we started. Okay, we're a little radical. We're pretty spunky about some things. Okay, We're pioneers and all that. We've had our issues, we've had our problems, but I'll tell you, America, America's almost died a few times. By 1800, it was prophesied and predicted by the unbelievers that the Christianity would not exist and this experiment called uh, freedom was not gonna work. But, but a move of God started to break out in Connecticut, Massachusetts area, and there's a pastor in the Logan County, Kentucky, which in those days, that's where you went if you were a criminal and needed somewhere to hide. They hadn't had a court case tried in over five years. It was a a place people could go to if somebody's looking for them. They could hide out in Logan County, Kentucky. But there was a pastor there. He got hold of that and he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do is we're going to start praying. I'm going to have my church pray for me every Saturday night and every Sunday morning. And then I'm going to have the first Monday of every month we're going to take a day and we're going to fast and pray. They started doing that well before long they decided to have a communion service. They started. got other churches to do the same thing, wanted to have a communion service. So they got ready to have a communion service, 11,000 people showed up for a communion service, revival broke out, and it changed the course of America. We dodged a bullet on that one. We're going under. Well, that's 1800 by 1850, we're headed into a mess again. Just give us time, we'll figure out a way to do it. We're heading into a mess again. 1850, by 1857, America's got all kinds of issues again. Just track church history, American history. We're were in a mess again. And so there's a guy named Jeremiah Lamphere, and and, uh, the Dutch Reformed Church hired him to be a missionary in New York City in this area that had been residential and converted to business. And uh, he's going door to door, nobody's listening, nobody's paying attention. So he starts putting these leaflets on doors, uh, announcing a prayer meeting in the upper room of the Dutch Reformed Church. And so they're going to have it on Je- uh, September 23rd, 1957. Now, I wasn't there. Excuse me, 1857. I really wasn't there. <laughs> and invited people to come from 12 to one o'clock to come pray. first the first, I think it was a Wednesday of every month to come pray. Well, you know, he went up there and he's up there for 30 minutes praying. About 30 minutes into it, he heard footsteps and somebody came up. By the end of it, he had six people in there. Now, some folks had quit by then. But he came back the next week and they had 20. They came back the next week, they had 40. All of a sudden, it began to explode. Before long, they had over 150 prayer meetings at noon every Uh, No, I'm sorry, back up. They said, this isn't going to be enough, so they went from once a week to every day. They're having prayer meetings every day. People started coming. They filled up that room and had to open another room. It spread out. It went to Philadelphia. It went to Washington, D.C. It went to Richmond. It went all over America. Within three to four months, there were noon-hour prayer meetings going everywhere. This is before the Pentecostal outpouring, so people aren't even praying in the Holy Ghost. They're just up there praying in English. They'd go in for an hour, and the thing exploded all over the nation. One denomination said they'd seen 9,000 people saved within the first couple months. Another denomination said they'd seen, I think, over 15,000 saved in the first couple months. People are coming everywhere. They're starting, pastors would come to these meetings and say, Well, I can do that at our church too. There's not enough room here. They started having prayer meetings in their churches. And then before long, businesses were shutting down. Businesses would shut down all over New York City from 12 to 1 every day so their people could go to a prayer meeting. And they said, they said all of a sudden, see revival, revival, restoration of the presence of God. They said all of a sudden, it was like there was a cloud over the northeast part of America, uh, not a bad one. Was, it was like a cloud of the presence of God. They said it not only went all over primarily the northeast quarter, uh, but then it went from there and said it headed out over the sea. They started getting messages from ships coming into the New York harbor. There was a, a, a ship that was 150 miles out, radioed in and said, Would you send us a chaplain? Something's happening in our boat. We don't know what it is. By the time they got into the harbor, everybody on the ship had been born again. They said it was like a cloud came out. Any, any of these boats that got within 100 to 150 miles of New York Harbor, they'd run into this cloud of the presence of God revival would break out on the boat. They said there were a bunch of young guys on, there was a, a, one of our Navy ships that was in the harbor. A group of young guys was on their knees praying on, on deck and some of the older seasoned guys that were leaning over, looked, watching them, got to making fun of them. And they're going to go down and break up that prayer meeting. So they headed down the steps. By the time they got down to the deck where the guys were, they all fell to their knees and started crying out to God, "Got born again." There was a presence that swept our nation. And then some people came from the UK over. They heard something was happening. They sent some folks over, and they went back to the UK. Started the same thing. They just start having these one-hour prayer meetings. It was a revival of prayer. But they said, the best they can tell, no way to gauge it, but they said the best they could tell, between one and two million people were saved as a result of that one prayer meeting getting started. Think about that. Between one and two million people getting saved because of a move of prayer that hit America. That was 19, 1857. 1900, of course, we've got Azusa Street. We've got Brother Seymour. Shook the world. 19, got it close to 1950. Needed another one. Here comes the healing revival. If you track it, almost every 50 years, we've had to have a major move of God to take our nation, keep it on course, because our nation has a job to do. God raised this nation up to touch the world with the gospel. We're not the only ones, but we do have a call on us to do that. And it's not done. We're not finished. You, you watch. There's about to come another wave of people going. Amen. You remember, remember back in the, whatever it was, when we'd have those Holy Ghost rallies in Tulsa and the prayer meetings, and people would line up. People would line up to go to the nations. Didn't have any money. Didn't know, they just said, just, just get me over there. We'd have people lined up to go to the nations. We had schools where we had more helpers than we had students. People are going, just going from everywhere. Just you, you, the people lined up, to, and the minute they get ready to go, all of a sudden finances would start coming in from everywhere. Amen. Like I said, we had as many as twenty-three schools worldwide, and, and and the people were supported. They weren't living high on the hog, but they were doing all right. And uh, and and then all of a sudden, that kind of waned a little bit. The last fifteen, twenty years, that that momentum kind of waned but I am of the persuasion we're about to see another Holy Ghost explosion and you're going to start seeing you know I mean a friend of mine said the other day said um, he said you know and he and his wife have been on the mission field for almost uh, 40 years now and uh, he said you know my wife and I headed to this nation we had nothing we had absolutely nothing. A friend of mine over in that nation said, when he and his wife got here, they were the poorest missionaries I'd ever seen in my life. Didn't have indoor plumbing, didn't have refrigeration, they didn't have anything. Didn't even have a bed, just slept on the floor. Poorest missionaries I've ever seen. But he now has a church of, I think, about 8,000 people. Has 40 churches planted in 10 different nations all over because he got over there and stuck with it. He said, he said, you know, my wife and I started when we were in our 20s with nothing looked at me, he said, you and Janet started out in your 20s, you had nothing. Where's the generation with the pioneer about them? Where are the 20s and the 30s now that'll say, God, I'll go, you get me there. Where are the people now that are saying, man, I will, I will, I'll forsake the comforts of back home. I'll go anywhere, anytime. This, this upcoming generation, they're a wonderful group of people. Whether you want to call them millennials, whatever you want to call them, that is the generation I believe can shake the world. They're not, they're not consumed with money. They're not consumed with comfort. They just want a cause. I'll give them one. <laughs> 7.3 billion people and over a billion have never heard even the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what, I'm convinced God's raising up. You, there is a revival that's going to take people from America, get them born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, with enough word to get by, enough Holy Ghost to put them over the top and send them to the nations of the world, and America will finish our course. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway, anyway, revival is simply the restoration of the presence of God. And if you go back and track it, when the presence of God comes in, (laughs) uh, let's see, where do we go? Um, Got a few more minutes. Um, I've seen, I've had the privilege to see when in a revival, what happens when the presence of God just falls, when it, it comes in, like when the glory of God manifests like it did in the Old Testament. Seen some things like that. I've read about things like that. My wife's uncle just went to heaven just a couple months ago. He's 91 or 92. He said there was a, a meeting in Baton Rouge that he was in during the 40s and during the 50s. Said it went seven weeks. He said in seven weeks' time, I think, I, I may have the numbers wrong, I don't recall right now, but I'm thinking it was like seven or 8,000 people born again. In a church in Baton Rouge in the fifties, but he said in that amount of time, he said we had meetings every night for seven weeks, and he said, he said you can't name a miracle I didn't see. He said you you can't. He said there were ambulances would pull up with gurneys in them, and they'd bring people in on stretchers, and then there'd be people in wheelchairs. And he said I saw every manner of sickness, every manner of disease you can think of. I saw people get healed of everything you can think of, and people born again. He said I saw a move of God that changed my life. I'm convinced, I don't know about you, I'm ready for another one. Amen. I'm ready for another one. But I think we got a key in here is when Habakkuk said, I've heard what you did, but it drove me to my knees. I'm, 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 you'll never have a move of God without a move of prayer. Amen. The Kentucky revival started with prayer, the New York revival started with prayer, the healing revival started with prayer, Azusa started with prayer. I'm, I, you, you mark my words. I believe all of a sudden there's going to come a great. Uh, momentum, and people don't even like to pray, are going to be running to get to prayer meetings. Yeah. Well, I'm convinced from history and the Bible that you're never going to have a move of God without a move of prayer first and I predict we're going to have a move of prayer that's going to land on America and it's going to spread out and then the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the healings, the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, souls. Yeah. It's all got to transition into souls or we miss the boat. Yeah. So anyway, um, This is why a local church like this is so important. And 25 years, you got a root system that goes, your taproot goes way down deep. So that no matter what happens in the nation, your taproot's down where the waters are clear. No matter what comes, and I'm not predicting bad stuff. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying it doesn't matter. When you're, long, when you're there long enough and that establishes that your, your root system goes way down, your tap root goes down deep into where there's, clear, there's always good, cold, clear water, then, then you will always survive, you'll always thrive, you'll always be alive, and you'll finish your course, you'll run your race, and you'll change lives and finish what God's given to you to do. I believe God's about to give you a double in everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Well, we ought to all stand to our feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this place, and I thank you. I thank you for this wonderful family, this wonderful congregation. And Father, I pray. I pray. Lord, I pray over that like the psalmist did. Lord, will you not revive us again? For those that have seen it before, may we see it again on steroids. For those that have never seen a revival, may they get to be in their first one. Not watch it, but be in it. Heavily involved in it. Not just bringing people into the church, but taking the church out to people. Shaking this whole region of the state. Shaking the state. Going to other states. Going to other cities. And taking it to the nations. I thank you for that, dear Father. Thank you for this house, what you raised them up to do. And they will finish their course with joy before Jesus comes back and we all check out and go home. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.